Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Welcome to Mail Military Spouse Radio Show, brought to you in part by the Military Guide to Financial Independence and Retirement and by Armed Forces Insurance. Here's your host, Dave Etter. Good afternoon and welcome everybody to episode number, what is it, we're on episode number 75, 76, number 76 of the Male Military Spouse Radio Show. Apologize, I haven't been doing any shows here lately because everything that's come up has been rehashed multiple times. The, the, the stuff is out there in prior prior podcasts. It's available on, on Chris's website, machospouse.com. You can find videos on that. Um, Military is doing a really, really good job of getting back into teaching people how to survive this new life called military and us male spouses we are as of the new numbers we are 13 percent of the spousal community that's right 13 percent so it is more than one out of ten spouses in a group should be a guy now what is our composition? Um, most of the male spouses out there are, of course, in the Army. As, as strange as that seems, Army has more because it turns out that, that the, the military, or I'm sorry, the medical field has more women in it. And so if they're married, they tend to bring their husbands along. And with the repeal of the don't ask, don't tell, and the approval of gay marriage being allowed and recognized, and all benefits available to the gay people, that there's a new group of of male spouses. And we've got Air Force has, I think Air Force came in second with, no, Navy came in second, Air Force came in third, and then trailing, of course, was the Marines. National Guard is kind of hard to 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 call because they, if they shift over to active duty, then they shape their demographic, et cetera. So I don't think those numbers were included in there. But 13% was the number, and it's huge, and that's great. So what can we talk about and talk about today? Here's what we're going to do. I have on the line with me a fail uh, – <laughs> fail, right – a fellow – male military spouse. His name is Ben Alvarado. He won, this is cool, you're going to love this, he won the San Diego, um, oh crap, I forgot what it was called. Uh, Help me out, Brian. You were NAS San Diego Male Spouse of the Year, or Navy Spouse. NAB Coronado, Navy Spouse of the Year. NAB Coronado, which is down in San Diego, and yeah. this is your second time of winning that, correct? You got it no, in 2016, but you also got it in 20. Oh, was that was the first? Okay. Well, we need yep. to get you back into the, the mix. Okay, good. Because <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you what, you had a good strong, you had a good strong role there, um, and then you also have one other thing that is 
outstanding. You are one of the same-sex couples. Your husband is the military member, Matthew yeah. Alvarado, who is a mate first class with um, what, what? Which command is he with now? He's got that stealth destroyer, right? Well, he is actually is right? now uh, as a. He's currently a naval instructor with the Fleet Anti-Submarine Warfare Training Center here in San Diego. Ooh, his so he's anti-submarine. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I'm, I'm only doing that because I'm a veteran. <laughs> so he he is working um, for. Uh, a fleet ASW out of their littoral training facility, which is the um, brand new uh, uh, top secret, uh, very, very high uh, technology based training center uh, for the new littoral uh, class of ships, the new stealthy looking ships. So he's yeah, out there. Those things look like something. Else. Yeah, they they do. They're they're a sexy bunch of ships, that's for sure. Um, so he's teaching the the younger sailors because um, he's been in for 18 years. So uh, he's teaching right. the younger sailors, the the young bosun mates, how to do the mission warfare uh, package uh, transitions because those ships are designed to support several different types of missions, uh, and so they can don't want load to get... in and load out. Um, all kinds of stuff that helps support the missions. And so he's training them how to do that now. Cool. Now, uh, uh, which makes it fun for you because he'll come home and he can't tell you about stuff he's done. Uh, yeah, there's certain things that he can talk about, certain things he can't talk about. You know, it's, that's the way it is for, for a lot of us uh, military uh, families. There's a lot that we're allowed to know and a lot we're not allowed to know. That's right, and it's 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 and it's very important that we do follow that that opsec, and we also follow persec, uh, personal security, operational security, because and and for those that are listening out there, they've heard me say it time and time and time again. Don't worry, there are no real secrets in our society today. There are really no secrets. What there is is verification and you don't want to be the one that verifies something because that is the worst type of espionage especially in my book is verifying something that they they think they already know so uh, you're not giving away secrets you're verifying secrets and that is bad 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 juju so don't do it people just don't do it you don't need to talk about what your spouse does in the military. You really don't. They either know you or you, you don't need to be talking to them. I mean, think about it. Think about it. Uh, you can vet anybody that wants to ask you questions. You can always hold off. You can run down to the public affairs office, the PAO, at your command, at your, uh, your husband or your wife's command and find out the details on what this person is and what kind of questions are they asking and do you have anything that do they have anything to hand to you that you can read from and help well first one one big thing you can do is when anybody ever talks to you 
about things that, that your your military spouse is doing, you can make that command shine, talking serious shine, as long as you're on the right page. And Brian, I know you know this because you are uh, Naval Air Station Coronado's uh, military spouse of the year, uh, Navy there, and you have had excellent, excellent opportunities to make the, the Coronado base shine, correct? Uh, I mean, yes. Uh, it, uh, we've actually PCS'd from that, from that base um, since that happened, oh. but we stayed in San Diego, so um, I've been able to kind of uh, work, uh, had the pleasure of working with both uh, Naval uh, uh, NAB Coronado as well as now Naval Base Point Loma, where we're at now. Um, so it's been, it's been, this has been a great year for us. Um, I'm now actually currently the, um, the command ombudsman for uh, my spouse's command. Uh, so playing a, a much larger role in an official capacity with the command has been uh, a really great experience. Oh, cool. And you just recently, as in like last week, uh, you were up for a rather prestigious award with the, the Navy League. Um, your command is the one that put you up for that. That's uh, almost impossible to get the award. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you something funny. Uh, I, you know, they 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 narrowed it down. Um, every command was able to nominate somebody uh, in in within right. about a 200 mile radius of San Diego. So that's I don't know, somewhere around 180 different commands or more uh, from uh, Marine, Navy, and Coast Guard. And so there's a lot of people. They narrowed it down to like 20 people. So I was one of the 20 people. And um, wow. uh, when we got to this when we got to this luncheon, it was actually held at a three-star admiral's house, and uh, nice. very nice, beautiful setup. Um, and they recognized all all twenty of us, and they went in alphabetical order by right, last right. name. So I was the first one up, and so I went out to the front. <laughs> and this and this and this guy who runs the Navy League of San Diego um, shook my hand, and he was like, "This is so cool. I've never in all the years we've been doing this, I've I've never." had I never got to shake a man's hand uh for this so he was like recognizing the fact that I, I was the first that was the first male that had gotten to this point uh with the, the fantastic year yeah fantastic. so that was a little bit of a prideful moment yeah because it, I mean it is our it is it is a growing um like you like you mentioned earlier our numbers are growing there's more and more of us um and I think that it's becoming um uh, more likely for uh, male military spouses to uh, serve in roles, uh, volunteer roles to support the commands um, ever, than it ever has been before. Yes. And as such, as such, we have to be prepared to, to keep, uh, um, keep a good foot forward and to be the right, you know, to be that, 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 that great example if what is but you were you were telling me the other day when you were talking about at the award ceremony which if anybody 
wants to know, did Brian get recognized as the Navy League's Spouse of the Year? No, that's fun. First time of the guy's been up there, that's it's not going to happen, and it didn't, right? He lost out to somebody who was very deserving of it. I believe that's what you said, and so that's not a problem. But it was good, great that we had a guy up there. <laughs> anyway, well, and, and there's, there's, <laughs> there's a, uh, there's a, every time you're, 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 you're in a situation where somebody's trying to recognize a military spouse, it's almost impossible to be upset if you weren't the one that got recognized, because as much as our lives may be different in a lot of aspects, as military spouses, we have one very big thing in common. And it's the fact that we do know what it's like to be in their shoes. And we know what it's like to, um, you know, not have the type of control over our relationship and our marriage and, and uh, that, that non-military spouses um, are used to or, or, or live their life. You know, we have to live on the edge that, you know, our spouse can be taken away from us at any moment. And So, so it's difficult for us to not, you know, to be in a situation where, you know, there's 20 of you and, you know, what, there's one winner overall. Every one of us erupted with, you know, clapping and cheering and, and, and so forth to be um, supportive of the winner because we know what it's like. And there's two types, there's really two types. When you're recognizing a a, a military spouse. And you're you're a part of that committee that's 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 doing this. They look at really two two major things among several other ones. And the two major things are what have you sacrificed? And the other is what have you contributed? And sometimes, like for me, I do way more contributing than I do sacrificing because I don't have children yet. Um, I haven't you know, I haven't raised three kids, gone to school, and had a deployed spouse. Um, so there's a balance between recognizing sp- military spouses for contributions versus sacrifices. Uh, and in this case, uh, our the, the winner last week, she did a lot of sacrificing for a lot of years, and uh, I was I was happy that she got recognized for that. Now, how long have you and Matt been married? We actually only got married, uh, we got married on uh, April 4th, 2015. So we've only been married a year and a half, but we were together for uh, several years before that. (laughs) You know, but but that was before it was legal. (laughs) Well, yeah. And uh, so you've you've grown to understand when he's got to go do something, uh, he goes out to sea. Did he ever go out to sea a lot? Because I know now he's um, not because he, he's at a – yeah, but um, he, you know, he, go, he would go underway. Um, he's, you know, his, his career, he's deployed seven times. <laughs> so, you know, there, it's, it's his turn to, to – so for some shore duty. So that's what we've been really um, uh, fortunate uh, to uh, not have to deal with a whole lot of that in the last three years. Oh, but that may change. <laughs> that may change, yeah. uh, and we could talk about that if, if if we get time to. I know the show, we, we do a full two hours in the show, 
because we'll have a lot to talk about this. I got a lot, but I want everybody to know about you because I have, I, I knew you online through machospouse.com and through uh, the men's room on Facebook and through, you know, various social media. And because I ran for the, uh, the, the Armed Forces Insurance Military Spouse of the Year in 2014, and I did that from Fort Campbell, um, failed miserably. 2015, I held off on 2016. Chris nominated me, and you and I chatted a little bit, and it was like, you know, okay, if you win anything, we'll, we'll get a chance to meet maybe. And see, I did, and we did finally meet face-to-face, -face, and we've been great buddies ever since. I mean, we're held. Your family. <laughs> Your family, my friend. <laughs> and so we, I, there's so much I want everybody to know about you because you put it well. You put it well. In the LGBT world, it was a struggle to get recognized. It was a struggle to get legalized. It was a struggle to get it so that it was no longer an issue that you were gay or lesbian or transgender or transsexual or any sexual orientation did not matter because professionalism is professionalism. And now that that has been accomplished, you're wanting to, you said something about wanting to move on, that to, to change, not necessarily, not, not diminish from that focus, but to target that focus into, all right, now, remember, not all spouses are wives. So, right. saying, hey, ladies, or you gals need to do this. Do you still see that? And do you have, is, I know for me, and I know for, I know in the, the hetero world, that, that we see that, and it, and it makes our blood boil. We don't, want it to make our blood boil but we it does because it it's it's marginalizing and it's irritating and it, it and it makes it alienates us what does it do right. to a gay man to have a gay spouse to have that happen at an frg meeting at a spousal function at an award ceremony for spouses what is it like for you guys well, um, the the perfect example uh, is what you how, how you put it just now about your reaction to when when that happens to you. That is what we dealt with as um, LGBT military spouses for a very long time uh, until recent years. You know, it used to make our blood boil that you know we couldn't be recognized in the same way as other military spouses. Um, and that's what, you know, charged the fight. But again, now that that is all, um, at, it, as far as the, the, the Department of Defense is concerned, you know, they've, they've, uh, they've put out these um, equality initiatives. And while not everybody is having the same experience, for the most part, the military as a whole um, is directing these equality initiatives, you know, equality, diversity, uh, and, yes. uh, you know, don't. Don't um, discriminate. Uh, now, 
there's pockets, obviously, and there's isolated incidences. Um, and I believe that the DOD is handling them. But for for the the big majority of it, we're trying to we're trying to move on. And we fought really hard for uh, equality within the military. And now that we have it, we have to understand that with those with those um, benefits, uh, with those um, those uh, uh, life changing benefits, uh, come big responsibility. You now have the responsibility of being a military spouse, and there's a lot that goes into that. There's a lot of of support uh, that that. Uh, that people in our military community need and they thrive on on getting that from each other uh, and there's a lot of opportunity for you to give back and so that's where i have really kind of focused uh my my energy uh and the time i have available outside of having a full-time career uh is is what can i do to give back to the sailors and their families and that's right. where my focus is so I'm not making it about me. I'm not making it be about, you know, uh, my relationship with my husband. Um, everything I do is what can I do for you? Uh, what can I do to help support your family? Um, in this case, as now I'm an ombudsman, I'm actually a part of the command. It's what can I do to support the mission? And that is what people respond to in the best way possible. Is right. When you make it not about you and, and your efforts are all about what you're giving to them and doing for them, that's going to give that's going to be giving me the best kind of result. So then when I get to a situation where I become a part of a group of people in in this case, mostly women, and I see, uh, you know, a Facebook post in the ombudsman you know group because I'm. I'm like one of two, maybe in all of San Diego. And they keep saying, hey, ladies, what's the deal with this? Or, um, all right, all you smart women, I need some advice on this. I honestly, in, in the very beginning, right. I, I, would, I would be, I'd be irked by it. Because I, I would think that's not fair. You know, it's not, it's not fair. Uh, it's not uh, politically correct. I mean, come on, you know, get, get it together. Um, but then I have to, over time, I had to realize that sometimes it might just be ignorance. And ignorance is not a bad word, by the way. Ignorance is just a lack of knowledge. Maybe these people um, have been military spouses for you know, a very short amount of time. They get involved in these Facebook groups, and all they see are women. So you know, it's just a habit. Um, so there's that that as that aspect of it, and then there's the aspect of it where there's certain groups that should be specifically for military wives because they are going through different things than we are as men. You know, they have yes. different yes experiences, and they have uh, you know just a, a, a lot of differences. So when when somebody invites me to a group that's called San Diego military wives private group i decline it because that's a that's a specific group that specifically says wives. so now can that, i jump in there can i jump in here and 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 i think you should you if you get invited to one of those i think you should join and the reason why 
is because you're an ombudsman. And because you are a social media beast, you can answer a question that might make the make or break one of these military wives, even though they're asked even though you're in their club, you can answer their question and get it get something done. I think that they're inviting you in is showing you respect for the fact that you're an ombudsman. Um, possibly. I mean, I, I, that, that's definitely a possibility. Um, I just, I, I, I guess for me, I have felt, uh, I, well, you know, Dave, there's like nine bazillion Facebook groups, all with a different <laughs> sort of tone, all with a different, you know, um, kind of safe, safe place to say yeah. certain things and, and be a certain way. Um, and I'm a member of like the San Diego Ombudsman group page, and I'm a member of, um, a, you know, some of the other ones um, that are a little bit more specific to um, uh, uh, different groups like like AFI's MSOI program and, and whatnot. Um, yeah. But the first time I, I I got put in one of these these military wives groups, it was. I mean, it was like every 10 to 15 minutes, there's like 6,000 people in this group and every 10 to 15 minutes, somebody's posting something. And it was very female oriented. There was a lot of very kind of right. just female oriented stuff. I didn't feel I had comfortable around to contribute. I, well, it wasn't that I wasn't comfortable. It's just, oh. I didn't have anything to contribute, um, you know, right. in that right. particular type of thing. <clears throat> So, you know, I, I mean, you've got, you've got male military spouse uh, groups, and I feel way more comfortable, you know, contributing in that conversation than I would this one, because, I, I mean, gay or not, I'm still a man, and I still have the yeah, same experiences, you know, as, as a male. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, feminine so, products just don't do anything for us. Yep. Nope. <laughs> Don't know what to do with them. Um, but well, I, I do. Know, I do with part. Tampons, <laughs> you use them for nosebleed, but that's about it. <laughs> well, we don't even have them around the house, so uh, I. <laughs> you know. Now, maxi pads. Those are those are mattresses for mice. So you know, there we go. Uh, <laughs> So I think I think what what we have to do is, is 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 and this is just my 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 straight up opinion of somebody who is heavily involved with uh, volunteering in leadership roles in the military community. We have to put on our big boy pants and decide what it is that's out in this world and how we're going to let it affect ourselves. Our, so that's what I did. Am I gonna am I gonna let this twenty year old girl in the ombudsman page who doesn't really know know any better? Am I gonna let her make my blood boil because she said, "Hey, ladies, I need help with something." And that's where I just got to the point where I said, "No, I'm not gonna let I'm not gonna let it bother me as much anymore." Every once in a while, if I'm just having one of those days, I'll be like, "Really, really." I post in here, I give you all this information, and you still don't recognize the fact that this is a group that has men in it. I get it. But for the most part, I just have to brush it off because 
frankly, we're too busy to deal with that in life. You know, we have much bigger problems to deal with than Jane Doe well, saying, hey, ladies. And I don't, I don't have a problem with that myself as, as a male military spouse. I don't have a problem with that if I'm in a room just that claims it's for all spouses and somebody asks the hey ladies and then what they're asking is something for ladies. I don't have a problem with that. But right, right. I'm, it's, it's either me or Jay or, or any, of, uh, any number of other guy spouses that, 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 that have, you know, are part of our little clique will jump in there going, um, I'm a guy, you know, and they'll make it pretty obvious. I, we're, we're slowly but surely getting that changed. But there's, but the one thing that, that, that I've pointed out, one of the things that I've pointed out many times is you got sponsors that are going to be at some of these events and what they'll throw out is stuff for the ladies, but they're out to make a profit. And since they're out to try and gain more business, they're looking at 87% of the population versus 13% of the population. It makes sense that they target the 87%. So I, I, right. for those guys that say, I go to one of these things and all I ever see is stuff for women. I don't, use Mary Kay. Well, yeah, you're right. But if you had gotten hold of that Mary Kay distributor before the event, she could have brought, or he uh, could have brought Mary Kay MK products for men. I, I use MK products for men because I won some stuff for that. I mean, the, 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 the sponsors will, will look after us guys if they know we're going to be there. But we can't right. just not show up. And Absolutely. but that you know that also I, I'm looking at the time right now. Um, I got to play a commercial break for one of our sponsors, Armed Forces Insurance, because if it wasn't for Armed Forces Insurance and uh, my other sponsors, we that the show would not be able to be done. So let's take a quick thirty second pause. We we'll right back. When I'm on base, I'm known as Staff Sergeant Cooper, but at home. Hi, Dad. I'm known as Dad, and I wouldn't have it any other way. We know home is at the heart of every military family. That's why we founded Armed Forces Insurance, to protect the property of our fellow servicemen and women. Call 1-800-633-2006 for a no-obligation auto, home, or renter quote, or visit www.afi.org. At Armed Forces Insurance, our mission is you. And we want, again want to thank Armed Forces Insurance for being a sponsor of Male Military Spouse Radio Show. We're going to get back to a candid discussion with Brian Alvarado, who is a fellow male spouse and male military spouse. And we've been talking about uh, equality. We've been talking about uh, some of the things that really champ our asses about these women's groups that need to include us guys. Um, there's one thing that you brought up. You brought up the fact that that you and, and uh, that you and Matt do not have kids. Um, Correct. Part of my brain went the direction of the lesbian side of the LGBT uh, community, and how they sometimes actually it's proving that they're quite often have kids. 
uh, they go to clinics and get artificially inseminated and have honest to goodness kids. And, you know, that, that, that are blood relatives. You guys are going to have to probably do what, uh, um, adopt or maybe foster kids. You're planning on doing that sometime in the future, maybe, maybe. Yes. Um, so we, um, you know, we, we met each other, uh, uh, later in life, you know, we met each other in our in our uh, early 30s. So um, uh, still you know, children. We, we, you're, you're still, still a child. In the parenting world. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and, you know, it had never really been it had never really been much of a thought for me uh, being a single prof- young professional uh, before I met my spouse. But it, you know, it becomes a topic of conversation. And yes, you're right. The the lesbian community, they have one really important function that we don't have, and that's the ability to actually give birth to procreate a child. Yeah. Procreate. Um, so uh, for us, you know, there's there's there, for, there's plenty of avenues you can you know you can uh, we we can actually have you know, one of our, one of us donate sperm uh, and pay for a surrogate or um, have, you That's know, true. Some, some people have friends that do that for for them and whatnot. Matthew and I, we, um, we want to go a different route. Um, we went through the, the, the application process uh, in the state of California and we've been mulling it over and we've been talking about it. And we've decided that we want to uh, adopt um, a little bit older of a child. Um, there is a huge need, especially here in. I'm sorry, what was that? I was about to say here. No explosive yeah, yeah. So, diapers. Um, exactly. <laughs> so, we're, we're, so, you know, that was something that was important to me because I'm a career man. Uh, I'm um, right. uh, the vice president of a, of a real estate brokerage. Uh, it's obviously, I hope that's me that's breaking up, not you. <laughs> you it must be me. But congratulations on that, uh, on, on being the um, being the uh, uh, vice president, uh, Dwellwell Realty, if I remember correctly. I may have to redial in. Um, send me a message on, fa- on 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 Messenger to let me know if that's the case, because that's one of the frustrating parts about this crazy thing here is uh, not being able to know whether or not I am still online. So I'm going to fire you a message real quick. Oh, that was that was quick. Oh, you can hear me. Okay, so it must have been you. I, I, I'm, I'm, you may have dropped off. Um, try calling back and see what happens. Oh, wait, here we go. Can you oh, hear me? Started to get you back. I can hear you now. Okay, all right. I good. can hear you. I heard you um, clearly. <laughs> okay. Um, this happens occasionally. Oh yeah, you know technology; it's got its quirks. <clears throat> so just to just to kind of go uh, finish up that. Yeah. So just to kind of wrap up that part of the conversation, we um, 
we decided that we are going to adopt um, somewhere in between seven and 10 years old. Uh, there's a lot of need for that uh, here in Southern California. Um, you know, a lot of people are on the waiting list to get a newborn um, while these uh, young, bright, uh, beautiful children are sitting in and out of foster care uh, because people want to adopt babies and not, not you know, children who are eight, nine years old. Um, and we're okay with that. You know, we're okay with the child having its own identity, um, you know, already. Um, and uh, being able to take somebody out of that environment and give them a, a good home and a good education uh, is, is, the, is the, the yearn that we have to, um, to be a parent um, and that's to be able to provide and, um, and, and have that experience of being able to leave behind your legacy to the next generation. And um, Matthew and I have different reasons for wanting to be a parent. He wants to be the softball coach. He wants to, you know, uh, be the fun, um, play video games and take them to camping and, you know, that sort of stuff. And, and, um, and I get that. Like, that's, you know, that's uh, a very important part of a child's life. And I'm, the, uh, I'm on the other side. Like, I, I want that kid to go to the best college on the planet. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, that sort of stuff. So. So that's I mean, yeah. So we're in this process. Um, uh oh, did I lose you again? You are cutting. Uh, I'm, you're better now. Oh, I'm say that again. I was going to say, am I cutting out? It that could yeah. Like I said, um, I'm at the mercy of Germany. It's it's going on seven thirty. Well, it is seven thirty. Going on eight here at night. So, you know, I, all the kids are at home and they're playing their games. <laughs> well, I can hear you good. So, so um, you that's good. Now, you were so, so kids are in the horizon and they will be the, 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 the younger, younger kids. Have you, is there a need in, that you identified for the, the the kids that had military parents that like maybe mom or dad lost their lives uh, in theater and um, the, the the surviving spouse became a basket case and uh, so you know they're they're mentally mentally unstable to to raise anybody and these kids now go find themselves in the system have you looked into that particular realm I, i'm just i'm just spitballing here you know i i have not looked into that particular realm but i i want to thank you for bringing that up because that would be something that would that would uh be that would be something that'd be very special um and uh uh, I'm not quite sure about how we would even find that because we don't really know a whole lot um, about the children and they and and being in in a state you know it's a state run sort of organization so state to state the laws change and um, and whatnot so I'm not even sure if if they identify children like that um, uh, or categorize them they like may that. Not because I mean, when it comes to spousal suicide, that's not even tracked. 
Right. I mean, the military is really good on tracking military members as to whether or not somebody's uh, attempted suicide, complete, uh, successfully killed themselves, death by suicide, um, or, or or having ideologies towards that. They don't track the spouses. So it, this is even a, an even smaller, I guess you could say, uh, consideration for the military. I'm not sure it would be something that anybody would ever want to try and pursue uh, due to how small of a demographic it would end up being. But on a personal level, especially being a kid in that position, it would be a very, very, uh, well, personal thing as to whether or not somebody right. really wanted them and understand. And <clears throat> for anybody else that's out there and it's listening to this podcast, they're thinking to themselves, you know, yeah, 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 okay. Uh, heterosexual couples don't have to worry about that because the kid's ours. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Honestly, there's a lot of blended, blended families. My oldest child was born in 1980. She's a year younger than you are, Brian. And <laughs> she's a stepchild. And I am dad. Right. So I know that that within the stepchild realm, the military knows how to handle that. The, the, the military has things to put out for that. So to, to have kids that are adopted, they should be able to, to flow right into that very support mechanism available in the military for the families as they do for the blended kids. So... Yes, that's something. And the military, the, the the military is a, a a a mass proponent of 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 adoption. They they support it wholeheartedly. They actually even offer a two thousand um, uh, dollar some sort of a, a sort of credit towards the cost of adoption. Um, so they they're they're big supporters of 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 it and. And uh, there's, you know, there's, there's transitional counseling available, you know, when you're, when you're adopting a child um, that, uh, you know, can be a part of, of the program, um, just depending on what the experience the child comes from, you know, if, if there was trauma or, um, you know, any sort of abuse um, in their past. Um, so I mean that's a that's a that's a big a big part of it for us is 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 uh, in our in our search we want to be able to uh, find a child that would benefit from being you know raised by us for the rest of their childhood um, and it, it and and in going into a situation where you're looking at a seven eight nine maybe ten year old child that has to go both ways you know so there's there's a process and which is what we're doing now we're getting our we're, we're getting our foster care license because we have to foster a child before we can adopt a child adopt that that right. child so there's like a, there's a period of time where the child would live with us as a foster and it's like yeah. you know the yeah. the honeymoon phase and you know there's orbits yeah yeah so, um, so that we're in the process right now of getting our foster license, so that we can then begin the search for a, you know, a child. 
Um, and we're, I mean, to be honest, we're looking on the side, you know, with different adoption agencies and whatnot. And we've, we've gotten to the place where we've kind of zeroed in on the type of, of child that, that we think would um, benefit from, from a life that we could offer. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's a very exciting time and, and um, we're really looking forward to the experience. Hey, you guys aren't going to do the Brangeli way of doing things, are you? No, <laughs> no, we're, we're going to adopt, we're going to adopt a child right here in our own community that, that, uh, that, uh, that doesn't have a chance of being uh, taken back by their parent. Uh, because we know what we know. Well, I know myself, if I fall in love with a child uh, and, and take them into our home and then that child gets ripped away because their parents got to the place where they were able to raise the child, I would be devastated and probably never want to do it again. So that's a part of our process is, is, um, is I mean, the foster care program is designed uh, with, the, with the end goal being a, reun a, a reunification between the child and the parent. So a, foster a child goes to foster care while the, while the parent gets, gets their act together and then they come back together. Well, sometimes the parent just never gets their act together and falls off the face of the earth. And that's what right. we're trying to go look into is, is that, that, sec that sector of children that there's no, there's, there's no possibility for the parents to come back. Because then those are put into a pool of adoptable foster children. And, did, and does that give you a heads up uh, or, or, or maybe I should say a, a, a bit of a lead, a head start in the being able to be accepted? Um, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's, the, the more you narrow down, um, uh, your search, uh, the, the state will kind of put you, uh, in a, um, well, let me just tell you what happened. When we came in, they saw they, and met with them and we did our application process. Uh, they saw Matt was in the military. They saw that I was, a uh, an executive, uh, we own our own home. Uh, and we don't want a baby, so they kind of put our file at the top of the uh, of the pack. Because right, you know, okay. we're not we're not in it we're not in it to uh, foster kids for money. We're not trying to get a baby, which is uh, you know the po the most popular thing. Um, uh, and and we actually are going after uh, a child that's a part of the largest group of 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 children in need, which is seven to ten year old. Uh, kids that are um, now adoptable because there's no chance for their their uh, their biological parents to come back into the picture. So we've we, it's, right. it's easier to narrow it down um, in that way. And then the state the state and the county really are looking at Matthew and I as like gold star members. You know, so we're just as soon as our um, application process is done. Our home studies are done. We have to do individual and uh, and couples counseling before we uh, uh, we have to finish all that sort of stuff before we can actually pick, uh, you know, a child. So we're in the process. Right, right. Is there is that is that a, a daunting experience, a daunting uh, step to have to do the counseling? Or have um, you even gone? You know, you know, I'm going to be, uh, uh, yeah. So I'm going to be completely honest with you and say, yes, it is. Um, 
I've never personally been uh, the type of person to spew out my innermost uh, thoughts and feelings to a complete stranger. Um, I, I kind of grew up a, 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 with a mother that was kind of a private person. And uh, I don't feel comfortable walking into a room uh, with a complete stranger in that aspect. But then again, I can walk into a room with Dave Edder for the first time, sit down, have some whiskey and just, you know, spew all kinds of business all over the place. Um, but when, they're, when, we're, when, we're, uh, when, we're, when when I'm sitting in it, when I walk into this room and I feel like this person's like trying to dig inside and, 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 you know, judge me because that's their role, you know, they're, Find they, the they, 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 yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's uncomfortable, you know, and you're, you know, you're on guard. And you're like, well, you're thinking about everything you're, that, that every answer that's coming out of your mouth, you're having to analyze and think as you're kind of, as it's kind of coming out. Whereas if I'm just having a conversation with you, I'm out, I'm able to just kind of talk off the top of my head and feel comfortable with that. Um, so yeah, it's, a daunting, it's a daunting task. Yeah. I mean, it, and I'm glad you're not thinking about the fact that people are going to sit back and they're going to download this and listen to it and going, wow. Man, he's got courage to talk about that. <laughs> I try not to think about yeah. that. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. I'm I, I'm not really convinced I have any listeners, but that's all right. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure Lindsay's listening. You know, she's my oh, she's my home girl. Sure, yeah. <laughs> she listens to to. Lindsay's good egg. She really is. Uh, you know, I'm glad you brought up Lindsay and the and and which is a, a way of bringing the Armed Forces Insurance Spouse of the Year awards ceremonies and and awards in general. You sending to me earlier um, in a message that you were actually looking forward to going. To try and 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 land this the, the the Navy Spouse of the Year next year. Well, well, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know how you know how it feels. You, um, you know, the 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 award you're allowed to be um, a part of the program twice. So um, this is my second. 2017 will be the second year if I get nominated. Um, and I feel like I've had such an incredible experience uh, within the uh, MSOI, the Military Spouse of the Year program, uh, and learned a lot from a lot of people, including yourself. Um, and I, I feel like it would be an incredible experience to uh, be able to um, have that platform to continue the work that I do uh, on a larger scale. Um, I work uh, tirelessly for military spouse employment, um, both on a local on a local level, helping you know just the people within my spouse's command find jobs here locally, but also now I'm a chapter lead for uh, uh, In Gear Career, which is a, a program of hiring our heroes and the U.S. Chamber of Commerce Foundation, um, where we're actually doing big events. I'm sorry. Yes outstanding program yes so I'm, I'm, I'm now able to um, 
to meet and network and, and uh, uh, work with these spouses that are, are career-minded spouses, professional spouses that are having a hard time uh, finding employment when they PCS to San Diego because for a multitude of reasons, just the, the fact that the industry that they uh, uh, work in is not a big industry here in San Diego and there's not a lot of jobs available um, or they just need some help with transition. Um, you know, that sort of thing. We did, we had an event the other day at one of my offices where we did new headshots for everybody for their LinkedIn profiles. And we're doing resume, kind of resume building. And, 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 and the big part of that is networking because in life, you know this, uh, it's more about who you know than what you know. Uh, because oh, yeah, for yeah. the most part, yeah, for the most part, if you work inside an industry, say real estate, um, everybody knows the same thing. Everybody knows how to be a real estate agent. But if you know people that work for this prestigious brokerage, you're gonna get, have way more chance of an opportunity to get in and network and meet these people and get a job at that brokerage versus somebody who doesn't have that in. So that's the big part about that program that I, that I love to do because I have been in San Diego for a long time and I work in an industry where I meet a lot of people. So being able to connect people and help them uh, get employment, big deal. So yeah, the the, the military spouse of the year program from, I want from to go into, military spouse magazine. Go ahead. I want to go into that into to career building, et cetera, in uh, at the right after the commercial break at the first. So hang on to those thoughts for a couple more minutes. MSOI program because what I wanted to talk about on that before the top of the hour because it's I mean we only get like six minutes before I play this next set of commercials is that it's a very short window to get into the MSOI program very very short window it starts in January the word will come out and Military Spouse Magazine will push it out saying Now's the time to nominate because you think they're worthy for being military spouse of the year. That happens in January. January, It will come out on the website. And here's the website you will be going to. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop that number for that, 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 that URL for you right now. HTTP colon backslash backslash the normal stuff out with. But no www, you put msoy.militaryspouse.com. That will take you to the nomination pages for setting up and getting the, the, the spouse you want nominated for MSOI, for Military Spouse of the Year. Each command, well, I'm sorry, each base. Each base, each uh, air station, um, each uh, garrison, uh, all of these, they are able to have one spouse of the year. Here in Germany, they, did, they had me down for Kaiserslautern, which does not exist. It, I had that corrected, and I hope it's corrected this year. It is called Rhineland Faults, but it's an army. Air Force has Ramstein. And so there is a Ramstein, 2016 Ramstein Spouse of the Year, Air Force Spouse of the Year, 
and uh, Sugan Musgrave, and she's real good friends of mine. She didn't make it to the next step of being Air Force Spouse of the Year. I did make it up to Army Spouse of the Year. Brian, you were Coronado, and you're now going to be Naval Base La Paloma. So uh, yeah, Naval Base Point Loma. Sure Point Loma. I don't know why I said La Paloma. <laughs> Point. <laughs> Point Loma. Loma. So if so, yeah. And so if I get nominated, then great. If you get nominated, then you get up. But here's how I won. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to be honest with you, completely honest with you, how I won. This is so embarrassing. I got nominated by Chris Pape. I think he nominated seven or eight of us. Uh, <laughs> he nominated me. And I get an email saying, fill out your profile. So I fill out my profile. It's kind of, you know, haphazard profile. Yeah, I'm a spouse, resist, uh, a spouse master resilience trainer. Yeah, I'm the family red leader. Yeah, I do. I do a lot of volunteering with uh, Army Community Service. As the and the uh, room manager, et cetera, et cetera. And I'd also do a Boy Scouts, but you know, that's what I do. And you know, it was it wasn't a very good profile. It really wasn't. But I had my picture. My picture was me at a scout event burger wearing my bushwhacker hat. <laughs> and kind of a funny picture. Well, there's a place on, on Facebook called the Overly Sensitive Military Wives page. It is <laughs> when you get some of the worst worst of the worst comments and flames and and complaints and bitching and moaning and and absurd and it, it's it's a horrible place to be absolutely horrible place to be nobody should ever go there that's why everybody does some woman found my nomination and she put she took a screenshot of it put it on OSMW and said, look, this guy's running for military spouse of the year. We ought to vote for him. Think of how many military wives it'll piss off. And all these other cows chimed in going, hell yeah, I would just chap their asses. <laughs> uh, yeah. I made it all the way up to Army Spouse of the Year for the entire Army, and I damn near one military spouse of the year. I think the only thing that kept me out of being military spouse of the year is they don't have the budget to have somebody from overseas. I mean, we had Letitia Cole two years ago as military spouse of the year, and she was in Japan. They flew her everywhere, and I, it must have cost them a fortune to do so. But mm -hmm. Natasha... Tasha Hart, who is the Marine Corps Spouse of the Year, uh, she's right there in Washington, D.C., and what she's doing is absolutely I think she should have won, and she did win, and she beat me, and that's cool. I'm good with that because she takes care of homeless veterans, and she's always done this 
out of the goodness of our heart, and it grew into a rather huge nonprofit that's nothing short of amazing and a miracle, and she won't let her position of being the 2016 Military Spouse of the Year prevent her from doing this. So she's the right person to be that. But damn, I almost won. All because <laughs> of a goofy picture. All because of a goofy picture in the over military wives page. So I think by a fluke, personally. Y'all say differently. Y'all say uh, well, don't don't underestimate yourself uh, too much because uh, you know the process is you know those those public votes uh, only count for so much of the overall uh, selection. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. But anyway, so we're going to come back here. I got I got a couple of commercials today, and then we'll come right back and we'll talk about career choices and how the military spouse can uh, make a, a good career and keep it going from from uh, position to, uh, from from location to location. We'll be right back after this ninety second break. Is your current financial state keeping you up at night? Unsure how you could possibly save for retirement with such a tight budget? Well, one of today's sponsors is the Military Guide for Financial Independence and Retirement, written by Doug Nordman and is available through your local library or for purchase on Amazon. This book shows service members, veterans, and their families how to reach financial independence and retire on their terms and, in my opinion, should be required reading for all man spouses. There are no tricks or gimmicks, just thoughtful spending and a higher savings rate. Most military families can do this within 10 to 20 years, and a few have done it even faster. All of Doug's royalties are donated to military charities, so you know he's financially independent without your money. So, get your copy today from the library, or buy one at Amazon. The Military Guide to Financial Independence and Retirement, written by Doug Nordman. As Captain Barrett's wife, I'm known for my volunteer work, but at home... Hey, you ate all the cookies. Wasn't me. I'm known for my amazing chocolate chip cookies, and that's fine with me. We know home is at the heart of every military family. That's why we founded Armed Forces Insurance, to protect the property of our fellow servicemen and women. Call 1-800-633-2006 for a no-obligation auto, home, or renter quote, or visit www.afi.org. At Armed Forces Insurance, our mission is you. All right, we're back on Male Military Spouse Radio Show, episode number, what number are we we're on? Number, episode number 90, uh, 76, a candid discussion with Brian Alvarado, who is the military spouse of Naval Base Coronado for year 2016 with the Armed Forces Insurance. Uh, we've been, we're, we're doing a candid chat with, with Brian because he's a good friend of mine. He is the type of military spouse you want to know. You want to have his wisdom in your back pocket because he's going to help you, you, listener to this podcast, he's going to help you be able to make it in this military world as you change with PCS to PCS. Brian, how you doing, buddy? Good. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. I want to carry on in this conversation. You talked on the third segment. You were talking about how um, you have a, a fantastic career in real estate. Yes. 
now working in your career, helping spouses get employment. One of the biggest problems we're experiencing as military spouses, and it doesn't matter what your career is, we are having problems with being able to port our but our, our growing business, our growing uh, career into the next duty station that our, our spouse goes to. And you're helping everybody figure out how to make that work better. And there's been, been some, some congressional uh, movements, uh, some signatures have been, been applied to some bills and trying to get them implemented where lawyers and I think it's real estate and uh, some medical are going to be able to not necessarily have to relicense from state to state when they can prove that they are a military dependent. Do you have any, any further insight in that? Um, a, a, a little bit. Uh, I know that there is um, uh, several organizations uh, that are working towards uh, easing the burden of relicensing from state to state. Uh, it is, it, it, and they're, you know, they're going at this from a national standpoint. When uh, the roadblock is that the licensing. Uh, entities are state-based, so they're, they make up their own regulations. So in right. order for the, the federal government to step in uh, and say, all right, we need to work together here, I mean, that's, that's not something that happens overnight. So there are some excellent organizations, uh, some excellent attorneys uh, working on um, bringing the states to the table. Um, it's going to be a process, but I, I, I honestly feel like it's one of those processes that's not going to be in vain. I think that, that really in the end, uh, it will benefit uh, people in several different career types that require state licensing. So it's, it's, it's definitely you said, a... Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I, I just want to say it's definitely a, a process that's, that, that is happening uh, right now, and it's uh, uh, an exciting thing for a lot of people. Uh, but it's, it's, again, it's not going to happen overnight. So we just have to keep an eye on it and do what we can to uh, support these organizations that are, are focusing their uh, efforts on, uh, on uh, this uh, sort of uh, lobbying the federal government and the states. Now, Matt is a, a Matt's mate in the United States Navy. He's uh, E6, he's a first class. He's probably up for chief now. Um, but he's been lucky so far while you guys have been married. I, you were with him a lot longer before you got married, but in the process now that you are married, you've been lucky and you've been in the San Diego area. Will you be able to take your licensing and your position with uh, Dwellwell Realty there in San Diego with you if you get transferred, say, to the East Coast, to NAS Jacksonville? Um, uh, yes and no. Um, I happen to be a shareholder in my company, um, but I would have to uh, go through the process of getting a, uh, a new broker's license uh, in whatever state we ended up in. And once I have that broker's license, 
uh, which can take, you know, up to a year, depending on what their process is, if they're, if they recognize any of the sort of prerequisites or college, you know, education things, if I can just take a test. Um, but there are different laws from state to state, and you need to know those laws and, uh, and processes for uh, the uh, buying and selling real estate, representing um, people in that capacity. Uh, you have to understand the law. So I, I, I get that, that you need to, to go through a, uh, a process. I don't think I need to get relicensed. I think I need to go take a class and, and say, these are the laws that are different in Virginia than they are in California. So learn these well, and then. Does, does this make the, the what, what has been passed through Congress does that is is that make as only a a a cornerstone to what really needs to be get needs to be done that there needs to be a whole lot more done through Congress? Do we need to start calling up our senators and our representatives and saying, "Hey, we appreciate the effort, but you know what? You're just providing a temporary minor uh, stopgap." Let's put some meat to this. Let's uh, let's give it some teeth. Well, that's and that's what these these uh, these organizations that are working towards this right now are doing. They're they're lobbying uh, for real big change. Um, but what what that entails is getting all of the states involved, and that's a big undertaking. When you're having to get every real estate bureau uh, from every state to come together and say, how can we make uh, it easier for transitional uh, uh, licensees uh, to work in uh, a different state. And, you know, for me in real estate, it's a lot different than, than um, say, uh, some of the, uh, you have to pass the bar exam if you're an attorney. Every state has their own bar exam. And that's like a, a that's a two-year process to, to pass the bar. Um, so that that's a lot more difficult in my mind, you know, in my industry, uh, I would love to I would love to just see a, a a a document that's sort of a transitional document that says if you're going from California to Virginia, these are the differences in the laws. If you're going from Pennsylvania to uh, Oregon, these are the differences in the laws, and you you learn those differences and. Uh, you know, maybe take a test on it and pass or whatever. Um, but that would be a lot better than having to go through the entire process of getting relicensed because it would, you could start that process before you even move to that new state. So, I mean, that's you know, you, kind of you the, just the brought up given me a very interesting idea. There is, there's only a set number of bases and posts and and garrisons and et cetera, any place that a military member could be could be stationed to. There is a set number of them. Perhaps there could be a way in which the military got the lawmakers in each one of those states down and number out a a a way that the spouses maybe streamline it. A criminal lawyer in the state of, of of Florida being able to practice criminal law in the state of Illinois simply because 
their service members got transferred from NAS Jacksonville to Great Lakes uh, Recruit Training Center in Illinois and thus be able to practice criminal law in Chicago. I understand that, but maybe if the lawmakers of, of, of Illinois got together with the lawmakers of Florida and said, look, I'm somebody that's transferring either way. Here is a set number of things that you have them do. And maybe with the combined, all of these lists combined, they can say, hey, look, this is common. Going to, if you're going to be in law, every state you could possibly go into re, re, requires you do this, and you do this now, and thus it gets checked off, and hence begins a form of streamlining. Am I making any sense? Absolutely. That's, that's, I've had a that's little bit of the mindset that I have. <laughs> that's kind of uh, along the same lines as, as what um, you know my um, very kind of simple uh, thinking is creating um, an environment where uh, these industries expect that military spouses work in these industries and they want to be supportive of that and they just create a streamlined uh, version of relicensing. So it's just a. I don't, it's, believe, I don't believe every state in the union all 50 states and and the 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 we have i don't believe we do we have maybe some air force in one but we don't have navy and we may have some army but we don't have marines etc i i think it, it it's not as complicated as oh crap, we're going to have to make sure that every state is on board with this law. No, just every base that has, every state that has a military installation or the possibility of there being a military spouse that is in that type of position, there might even be a, a college that could take this on. I mean, why not? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. They're 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 definitely good. Um, and and as well as some of the, um, there's a I'm I'm not incredibly of uh, free enterprise, them, but there's a there's a there's a group of attorneys that are military spouses, the JD something network, um, uh, that are working on um, on uh, the the lobbying side of this uh, in the state. I'm, I'm, you're cutting in and out a lot. Okay, so it, it, it's it's either me and and thus yours is cutting in and out into my ear, and it's all coming through, right? I don't know. We'll find out later. <laughs> but uh, there there's got to be a way that, that this can happen. Um, what about those What about those spouses that are, you know, they they've they've gotten themselves a job. And they're a, a child care provider. Does do you know whether or not the laws that have been passed in Congress cover them for licensing? Um, you know, I'm not uh, I'm not entirely certain about that, and I don't want to misspeak. Um, I'm not sure if they covered the the child care licensing because that's that a would big be one issue of the major that. Yes, 
that would be a major industry that because that's a big thing for military spouses uh you know uh the, being child care providers because that's a that's filling a need uh within the community that's one of the major one major industries that should be um uh have a have a very easy transitional you know licensing process yep it is and and it's I don't know. I, I, I want to see I want to see more spouses be able to be gainfully employed, because no matter what happens in the world at all, ever, it has it, it became normal for the average family to have to be a two income family. And it, it's sad that had to happen. But the 50s and the 60s were a single income family no longer exists if you want to have a bit of a and this is for the listeners that are, that are tuning into this podcast i want you to think about this for one quick second think about the day and i'm, and I'm kind of referring to the 15 dollars an hour for mcdonald workers thing here if you think about it in the 50s and the 60s where you had the milkman brought you a fresh quart of milk in a glass container with a cork on top to your doorstep. He brought it to your doorstep and the cost of that quart of milk was a quarter. The amount you made per hour at your work was a dollar. Do you realize you could have gotten four quarts of milk with that one dollar? So realistically in comparison that's where we're sitting at with our economy. We're looking at a, and, and I am not saying we need a $15 per hour minimum wage, but what I'm saying is that if the milkman brought to a homeowner a quart of milk to their doorstep, who were buying that house, who had a car, maybe two, they had a family, and they kept food on the table. They had well-dressed kids who went to school. So you get an idea of how much those people were making in, you know, to be able to, to cover that amount. You can think about that now and come to that idea. How much are you making per hour today? You're making like $30 an hour to do just that as a single wage earner. For $30 an hour, how many gallons of milk can you buy? At Let's just say a gallon of milk today is $5 a gallon. That's not far off. That would be six gallons of milk. You're making more per hour now, as, as in general, than you did in the 50s and the 60s. So our, our ancestors, or a couple of, a couple of generations back, were making do for less. So why should a burger flipper get $15 an hour when a guy who drives around in a, an ambulance only makes $12 an hour and he's saving lives, all you're doing is flipping burgers. You have to look at our, our current economy. The more that we can have competition on products, the faster we'll be able to see 
prices drop and thus we'll be able to buy more for our money and thus we will be able to live better out as as i was say as i said in the first part of this diatribe the 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 average family has to be a two wage earner family and that's the same in the military until you get to the, the the point where your military member has been in for eh, 15 years or more you're not going to be at that position where a single wage earner can support a family of two you have to have a dual income that's why we're talking about what we're talking about now it deals with the fact that as spouses we need to be able to work and we need to be able to keep our job. We need to be able to not have to work part-time. We need to be able to not just work part-time, but we need to make something a bit more than minimum wage. There was a study that came out in the very same study that talked about us being male military spouses at 13%, that the average spouse, average spouse, of a military member had a degree. Out of all of those that had a degree, 78% had two degrees. Out of that 78% that had two degrees, half of those were doctorates. How does that grab you? And we can't even get a job that does minimum wage full time. That was, that was absolutely headed out to the people that are listening to the podcast. Brian, I would love to hear your comments on what I said. Well, I mean, there's, there's a lot in there. Um, uh, one of the reasons why, one of the reasons why you run into um, uh, the, some of those numbers is uh, you, uh, you go to college and you take out student loans. And those student loans are deferred as long as you're enrolled in college. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, a, a certain a certain number of units, whatever. Um, so yes. you get you get your bachelor's degree, and you're uh, you're a military spouse, and you get sent to Guam. And there's nothing in Guam for you to do. So what do you do? Because you can't you can't afford to pay your student loans, so you enroll in. Uh, a master's degree program and you spend the next two years getting your master's degree so that you don't have to pay your student loans because you can't afford them because you don't you're in Guam and you can't get a job so that scenario I've seen over and over and over again in the military spouse community is these highly highly educated spouses that uh, that were highly educated because they couldn't get a job because they were sent to a location where, or their spouses were, were sent to a location and they went with them where the, the industry does not exist uh, that they wanted to work in or that they were educated to work in. And that is, that's just, that's not ever going to be totally solvable. Um, because the, if, if you have a degree in biochemical engineering and you work for a pharmaceutical company uh, building compound, uh, uh, compounds for, for medicine and your husband gets sent to, or your, or your wife or your spouse gets sent to the middle of nowhere, Wyoming, 
you you're not going to be able to work in that industry. I mean, that's and that's just that's just a fact. And there's not a whole lot we can do to get around that, other than not not go with our spouses if that's you know the choice that is made. Um, but for a lot of us, the 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 industries that we work in are are we make the decision to work in these industries based on being a military spouse, a career military spouse. So I know that for me personally, um, if Matt picks up chief and we end up getting sent somewhere else, um, that I can, I can, I'll know ahead of time enough to where I can begin the relicensing process uh, in that state. And I can take my brokerage uh, basically uh, with me so I can take our branding and our basically open a franchise uh, in whatever state right. we end up. But if we end up going overseas, I, I won't be able to do that. Um, but that's, that's a part of being a military spouse. And you know this more than, you know, just as much as everybody else, there are things that, that can be go. done and will be done to, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, there are things that that are being done that can be done, that should be done, that will be done to help ease uh, relicensing and, and those sort of things. But there are some things that are just not, that they're just not in the cards. I mean, they're, they're, and that's part of the sacrifice that we make as military families. And we have, to, we have to accept that. But there's ways around that. There's ways around you not being able to do exactly what you want to do. And, and maybe find something new. Um, Lakeisha Cole is a big uh, example of that. You know, as, a, as starting starting a business in a country uh, like Japan, um, that you know, it was it suited her situation. She has that entrepreneurial spirit. She has that entrepreneurial mind, and she got it done. You know, she she didn't. You know, her whole life wasn't based on a career in retail, but. She didn't have a whole lot of choice, and so she created she created an income for herself, and that's that's what a, a, a big trend is now. I um, mean, you see it all the time with with these very very creative military spouses that are now um, selling their products online and making um, you know make, making basically these small businesses based on things that they can do, photography or. Um, personalized crafts, you know, those sort of things that are on Etsy and whatnot. And these, these spouses are making a good income by doing that. And that's, um, that's been really nice to see uh, in recent years is uh, the ability for these spouses to be anywhere uh, as long as they have but an there's something that needs to be, and but There's something that needs to be pointed out about things like, like the uh, photography businesses, et cetera. You have to check with your individual post or base or or wherever your military is at, especially if you live on base, because you can't just put together a little home-based business in housing. It, it It's not allowed. But there are some things that are, of course, um, what's the word? Obvious is not not a problem, but there are the the rule of thumb. The rule of thumb I'm trying to come up with is that if it 
if you live on post, and it's only for those that live on post, okay? Okay. If you live on post, you need to make sure that you do compete against anybody that the exchange has working in the exchange in the mall. If you do, that they're going to kick you off post. They're not going to kick your, your spouse out of the military. They're not. Your spouse might get a, a letter of reprimand through the command. That isn't going to amount to anything. It's one of those, one of those uh, temporary pieces of paper that end up in the service jacket that when you leave, it goes away, just like most negative counseling does. But still, you don't want to you don't want to run into that problem because the minute you run into that problem, you put yourself on their radar. Okay. If you live off post, then you need to check with your particular city and see what their ordinances are. Uh, like here in Germany, you can have just about any home-based business you want. You just need to go down to the local rat house. Uh, the rat house, of course, is the same as our courthouse or or uh, city hall in the states. Uh, you go down to the rat house and you tell them what you're doing at home, and they give you a business license that costs a few euro. You're set. You're done. You're good to go. But if you don't do that, you're you're subject to fines, and you're subject to then being under the microscope. So be careful of that. But yeah, uh, photography is not going to become a good second force, uh, second form of income for the two-income family. But real estate is um, becoming an Etsy dealer. You could very well do amazing, uh, uh, amazing growth in Etsy and be able to take that from location to location to location and continue to grow your base. Um, again, check and make sure it's okay in your community. You may find yourself in a community that it says it's not okay. But that's rare. That's very rare. People get burned out really quick, especially when you have to move. Because everybody that you've gotten inspired, everybody that you've, you've made feel that they can do it too. The men leave, they're going to go, ah, crap, where's my support? And you can tell them all day long, you, you can just give me a call, I'll, I'll support you over the phone. They're not going to do it. They want to be able to look at you in the eye. They want to have that support. I, Brian, what do you think? Do you think today's industry or today's technology is going to prevent that being a, a major issue in the near future, to be the the ability to be able to Skype someone and, and talk to them face to face, where it feels like you're you're right there in the room with them. Maybe with this new VR that's coming out, maybe that will be able to provide the support necessary. Well, to be honest with you, um, I think we're already there. Um, I think that that um, I'm, I'm actually in the middle of writing an article right now about this particular subject because, because uh, it just so happens that in, in our experience in our life right now, we have um, 
a large portion of our everyday life uh, close friends all PCSing in the next six to seven months um, all over the world. Right. So I've been thinking about this, about this, about using technology to to stay in touch with these people who we've shared so many special moments from firstborn children to weddings and you know all these these special moments with these people. And now they're all leaving us, and uh, and we're going to be left, uh, you know, <laughs> without them in our day to day life. Um, but using technology to uh, maintain relationships is 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 not the future. It's the now. Um, and, it is. And we, yeah. I mean, you're like you're, you and I have kept in touch, uh, you know, via the internet, and now we're sitting here having a conversation. Uh, you're in Germany. I'm in San Diego, California, and uh, we're using technology to do that. So, um, if if you and I had yeah, met, like uh, in, yeah. So so it's it's happening now. Is, is basically what I'm saying. You know, I have these Skype conversations with um, uh, a couple of the the people that I've met over the last year through the Military Spouse of the Year program, and we have regular Skype conversations where we just sit back. We turn on our computers so we can see each other. We have a we have a cocktail. We laugh and we talk about what's going on in our lives. And I feel like uh, like it's a real conversation. Like they're like they are seeing the emotion in me. They're seeing um, the passion in me uh, more so than just uh, you know getting a, a Christmas card once a year with a letter about what our life has been like from last year. So technology is allowing us to um, to maintain relationships. Uh, way more than we could, ever could before, and and that is also helping shape that particular type of industry within the military spouse employment world. Where if you're doing something and you're you know you're creating a product that you're selling, you're the you can sell it in person, but you have a much broader uh, opportunity if you sell this product through the internet. And, you know, that, that, that is what's going to allow people to take those types of, of jobs, uh, entrepreneurial jobs with them from place to place is because the internet is everywhere um, that, that, yeah. the, that the military hey, is at least. Keep that on the front of your mind. I need to take a quick 30 second break here and play commercial. And we'll be right back with Brian Alvarado as we're having a candid discussion about everything in the world. Be right back. As Captain Barrett's wife, I'm known for my volunteer work. But at home... Hey, you ate all the cookies. Wasn't me. I'm known for my amazing chocolate chip cookies. And that's fine with me. We know home is at the heart of every military family. That's why we founded Armed Forces Insurance. To protect the property of our fellow servicemen and women. Call 1-800-633-2006 for a no-obligation auto, home, or renter quote. Or visit www.afi.org. At Armed Forces Insurance, our mission is you. And again, uh, Armed Forces Insurance, of course, is a sponsor of Male Military Spouse Radio Show, as well as the Military Guide to Financial Independence and security but written by doug nordman who would be with us if he was able but he's not able today that's all right um doug's really good egg if you've ever had a chance to meet him and you may get a chance there brian he is a financial guru you definitely want to get to know doug we were talking about 
modern technology and how it is helping us be able to stay contacted or connected contacted yeah i guess it's right connected with the the people that we have learned to become near and dear with in our military life as an ombudsman the people that you have come in contact with and i i don't mean to get too far off the subject here but for those who do not know what an ombudsman is, uh, an ombudsman is in the Navy, the person that is uh, in charge of being able to disseminate all of the pertinent information the command needs to give to the families and to be able to keep the families connected to each other within that Naval command. It is a program of the commander of that particular uh, particular command, uh, be it an installation, be it a ship, be it uh, a training center, uh, whatever. And you're an ombudsman now. That, that is correct, right? Correct. I'm I'm currently the ombudsman for Fleet ASW. So. What Brian does as far as keeping the naval families within his command connected with everything that it's around them, every, every uh, new upcoming uh, benefit, any change that will affect their lives, be it uh, TRICARE, be it um, um, exceptional family member program stuff, Brian will always have that information close at hand. But those people that leave, those people that transfer to another command, they may not know their ombudsman. Or maybe, maybe the ombudsman at the new command doesn't really catch on as to what has to happen. Brian, are you going to do your best to keep those people that, that were in your command? Are you going to keep them up to speed until they tell you, hey, my current ombudsman is keeping me up to speed. Thanks. Appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, I mean, um, for me, uh, I when I became an ombudsman, I had previously had the experience of being um, – on two different board positions with family readiness groups, um, as well as just an active member of an FRG, which are completely different. Those are separate entities uh, outside of the command. Um, uh, and whereas an ombudsman is an actual official position appointed by the commanding officer uh, who works directly with the, with the triad uh, in the Navy, the, which is the commanding officer, the executive officer, and the command master chief. And in my role, um, I actually, because I have experience in marketing and some abilities that other people may not currently have, um, I go about what I do a little bit differently. Um, I actually designed and maintain a resource website specifically for our command. Uh, so every time the, the, the CEO comes to me and says, Brian, I really want this information to go out to the families. I then take that information and I, I post it um, onto uh, the, uh, the, the website that I've designed and then am able to push that out to also the social media aspect of, of, um, of an ombudsman. So I, I work directly for the, the, the captain 
and he, de he decides what information needs to flow from the command to the families. So I'm just the conduit. I'm the liaison between the two of them. And I've made it, I've created this process um, to where it would be super easy um, for me to uh, relay that information and also create a, a one, one spot location where all information will be. So anything that has anything to do with our command and then, you know, big Navy, fleet family support, those types of big, bigger TRICARE type stuff issues, um, I'm building this database uh, for um, uh, specifically for our command families uh, uh, to give them a one-stop shop. Um, I also go in and I do um, in-dock for every new sailor that comes to the command. I get a face-to-face -face with them. So I'm introducing myself. I'm talking to them about, about uh, what the ombudsman program is for, um, what we can do to um, support your spouses. Um, a lot of what I do, just because of the nature of, of other things I'm involved in, is I talk about military spouse employment with every sailor that comes in. And I said, if you have a spouse that has employment needs, you, you give them my number right now, you have them call me, and we will immediately start working on um, helping them with employment. Um, so yeah, do you have, on that aspect of it. Do you, I, I, I have to ask, I have to ask, because uh, do you ever, and you shouldn't, honestly, I know you shouldn't. But I got to ask, and I got to ask because we're friends, because that's this show. This show is very, very frank. This show is very candid. Do you ever have anybody going, wait a minute, you're gay. Why do I want to talk to you? I have to ask that. And, and I have to be completely honest with you, Dave. Not a single time. Yes. Not a single that's time. so good to hear. Oh, Not a God. single time since I became involved with um, being a, uh, a military spouse that's involved um, in leadership and volunteer roles. Not a single time have I ever had anybody even remotely go in that direction. Folks, I will. And I know that there's some people that don't. I will explain this in a minute, folks. But yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, Brian. I know that there are a lot of people that have had. Uh, the opposite experiences, um, and 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 before the repeal of "Don't Ask, Don't Tell" and having to be the roommate and all of these struggles, and I respect those people and I applaud those people for for what they had to go through, um, because with any with anything in life, especially in this country, we're a country that that grows from experience and grows from struggle, um, and you know now the they went through all that and now they, you know, they've, they've risen um, from, from what they've had to. Yeah. Um, but I come at this from a different, a little bit of a different perspective um, because I've never really been a, a rainbow flag waving type of activist. Um, well, that's true. Because I've just, uh, uh, yeah, I've always, I've always been, but I mean, you've never personally, but you've never hidden the fact. No, I don't hide the fact that I'm gay. No, um, and, and and you know, just a, a quick little uh, story. After I served an entire year as uh, the president of the Family Readiness Group for um, Matthew's previous command, you know, the the triad took me out to lunch and they gave me a. Uh, um, 
uh, uh, our nation's ensign that, that flew over Pearl Harbor and uh, they give me, you know, it was a thank you for all you did for us uh, type luncheon. And I actually said to them, and I did get a little bit choked up about it because I, I looking at these three very, very uh, successful Navy, uh, you know, officers. Um, and I actually said to them, I said, I need to thank you for something. Um, and it's going to be a little bit hard to say, but I wanted to thank you because you never once uh, called me a gay military spouse. You never once made me feel like I was not a 100% um, FRG president that was doing the best I can for this command. Um, and it just was never an issue that I was married to a male sailor of yours. And they did, all three of them got a little bit, you know, like emotional about it. Um, you know, because they, they were proud of what of what they were were done. Because when you get when you get these naval officers and they get a directive from the DOD that says, you know, this is the new rules. You need to follow these rules. They don't mess around. I mean, I was I was I was out of the command when the command master chief of 30 years, um, you know, was talking to people about diversity and equality and how it's the it's the new law of the land and we're all going to do our best to to go in that direction. Um, so that's the experience I've had. That's to be completely honest with you. That's that's why I keep doing what I what I do and, and it, on the path that I'm on because I have had such a good experience. Um, and a lot of that, to be honest with you, it goes back to what we talked about earlier. It, it goes back to the person's interests. My interest is not in going to a command event and making a spectacle or, or making, um, you know, holding Matthew's hand and making sure everybody knows that we're there and we're, you know, you know, we're, we're making a scene about it. You know, we, we show up um, together. People know we're together, but Matthew's off volunteering to help with this. I'm off volunteering to help with that. That's the life we lead. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, and like I was telling, like I said earlier, uh, you know, I would explain to the folks as to why I, I brought this up is because, and I've told you, I told you from the minute we we talked on Facebook long before we met. I am a massive homophobe. Uh-oh, sounds like you just had a fire alarm go off. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was outside the office, but yeah, it's... it's, it's okay, right. oh. Anyway, I'm, I, I grew up as a massive homophobe. And it wasn't because that I was, I was taught that to be attracted to same sex was wrong. I was afraid somebody from the same sex would think I was cute and it just scared the shit. And that, that's the way I grew up. But I found out, you know, while I was working radio, I mean, I've been an entertainer my entire life and most entertainers are gay. And nobody ever bothered me, ever. And one of my best friends, when I worked as the production manager of a country western radio station, a very popular one who was very highly rated in, in Arbitron, uh, was gay. He swearing he was going to take me out and, uh, and dress me right because I'm, I'm a horrible dresser. You can attest to that. <laughs> You've met me. I'm a terrible dresser. Um, 
And so it, that has always been a joke to me that, that yeah, okay, I'm going to meet somebody that's finally going to meet somebody that's going to take me and get me dressed in duds that look correct. And then I met you, and I had to ask you long before we ever met in person, dude, you got to take me out and get me dressed right. <laughs> you said, don't worry, we'll take care of it. And then you failed me, my friend. You failed me. You didn't take me out. We went drinking and we had a blast. Hey, you showed up looking. You showed up looking just fine uh, at the at the town hall or at the at the military luncheon. <laughs> I was wearing old shit, man. I was wearing old shit. I looked horrible. There are way too many of me out there. We do not dislike gay people. We do not dislike the LGBT movement. We do not dislike the fact that we have to recognize equality. What we don't like is we don't like to have it forced down our throats. And you, my dear, close, personal friend, are one of those that kind of, sort of, is in agreement. You have said to me, and I'm going to tell everybody this, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, that the victory has been won. Now it is time to work on what us male military spouses are experiencing, and that is the gender inequality that exists in the military. We need to work on getting these ladies to start accepting us in their little cliques. I've said it many, many times. I personally have not seen any time where a male military spouse has been excluded. That is personal. But I'm six foot one, I'm 350 pounds, I'm a huge guy. I tower over everybody. I look like a biker. I scare people. People walk into a room and they come to me to be friends with me because if you're friends with the biggest guy in the room, you will survive. That's what I live with. And so I don't see that when I walk into a room of a whole, a whole sea of estrogen. I don't see the, the, the exclusion. But a lot of people I know and respect say they have seen it. And I cannot, will not disqualify what they have said as being incorrect. And you, Brian, have said you've experienced some of the same thing, that there are those that say, hey, wait a minute. No, this is for wives. This is not for guys. Go away. How you, Brian Alvarado, who is going to be the next 2017 Military Spouse of the Year, you're going to win the whole shooting match. You're going to win Navy Spouse of the Year, and you're going to win Military Spouse of the Year. I have anything to do with it. 
<laughs> how are you going to address that and make it stick? How are you going to get these women to say, hey, guys belong with us. We have eight minutes. Go. Well, a lot of a lot of what we have to do, Dave, is we have to we have to um, lead by example. Um, uh, we have to uh, put ourselves in a situation where where we are are showing and behaving and acting uh, in a, in a way that is showing our worth to these people. Uh, there, what you bring to the table, and you in particular is a great example. You bring, um, you bring a, a wealth of intelligence. You bring humor. You bring um, a, a, an experience uh, unlike probably anybody else as a military spouse. Um, Say it. Bring bullshit. that to the table. Bullshit. <laughs> bullshit. People think that it's not true. I don't have the experience. My wife's only been in for five years. Yes, but you're 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 in you're in a foreign country. You've got children. Uh, you you uh, are a advocate for um, a sector of military spouses, um, which there are not a lot of those. You're an advocate for the male military spouse community. There are advocates for the LGBT military spouse community, but when you so think about you, the male military spouse community, you are you are that advocate. For a lot of people. So are you. So you do have. So are you. Well, <laughs> well I, I, I can't personally dispute that because, you know, people have told me that. And, and, and that's something I take very seriously. If, you, if you're in a leadership role, you need to know you're in a leadership role and you need to behave like you're in a leadership role because people are watching you and they're, they're counting on you to be an example. And that's take why I time. told you the other day. I told you the other take day, why don't time. you talk about. Take Go this ahead. time and sell. Take this time and explain to people. Sell yourself. Why do you deserve to be the military spouse of the year for Armed Forces Insurance for 2017? Oh, gosh, Dave. <laughs> just, <laughs> just put me on the spot like that. Dude. It's not too early to start promoting yourself. You know that. You're, you're in real estate. <laughs> well, the, look, the bottom line is I feel like um, if you want. Military, Spouse Magazine, military Spouse Magazine and Armed Forces Insurance have built a program that's not just about getting an award. It's about a platform for what you, what you can do on a broader scale to support the military family. Um, it's not just going to D.C. and, and, and getting up and getting, a, you know, a, a coin and an award. This is, this, is, this is something, like you said, Armed Forces Insurance now sponsors your radio show. They, these people want to help you build yourself and build, um, build on the work that you would like to do. And for me, uh, the work that I do. Uh, they recognize that. List, they recognize that the listenership of these podcasts are the exact same people that they would like to help. And Correct. that's what Absolutely. they do. They, they help you by being able to cover everything that you are the most concerned about so that you don't have to worry about it. And that makes sense. 
But in the meantime, why should you, you, Brian Alvarado, become the military spouse of the year for 2017? You're in the process of exciting. You've got like three and a half minutes. Go for it. You're doing um, good. You know, I'd like to, I'd like to, I'd like to, 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 to be in a position where um, the work that I have been doing can be done on a bigger scale. Yes, that's, that's definitely a big part of it. Um, a, another reason why I, this is a, this particular thing is important to me is because um, I feel like I would be a good ambassador for uh building on the equality initiatives of the Department of Defense, because I can bring together different personalities um, and get things done. And like you said earlier, you, you never felt threatened um, by me. Um, and I'm not pushing some sort of agenda that is, that's about myself. I'm, I'm trying to work towards bettering the lives of, of the military families um, of the United States of America. And I feel like this particular um, award program between Military Spouse Magazine and Armed Forces Insurance, that would give me a great, uh, sturdy platform to um, continue to build, build bridges between um, different sectors of the military spouse community. Um, so that's, that's why I'm, 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 you know, I'm working on it um, and then hoping that I get the opportunity to, uh, to compete in the competition in 2017. And it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Uh, you are going to get recommended to be the, the military spouse for Naval Base Point Loma in the United States Navy as the military spouse of the year. And people will vote for you. And they will vote for you for the simple reason that you deserve it. You really do. Uh, my wife loves you. My wife wants to tell you and I that she just adores you and she wishes you were here because she would hug you and squeeze you and never let you go. And now that I've said that, I'm off the hook. <laughs> but on the other hand, uh, the, the, the fact of the matter is, is that you will, I know that you will make sure that all military spouses, all of them, every single one of them, those that have been in for 30 years, and those that have just walked, come into this, into this wonderful world, will be able to survive. And I got to thank you very much. I got to close with a commercial. Brian, thank you so much for being with us. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. Thank you, Dave. As Captain Barrett's wife, I'm known for my volunteer work. But at home... Hey, you ate all the cookies. Wasn't me. I'm known for my amazing chocolate chip cookies. And that's fine with me. We know home is at the heart of every military family. That's why we founded Armed Forces Insurance. To protect the property of our fellow servicemen and women. Call 1-800-633-2006 for a no-obligation auto, home, or renter quote. Or visit www.afi.org. At Armed Forces Insurance, our mission is you. Thank you all very much for joining us on Male Military Spouse.
The views and opinions expressed on Male Military Spouse Radio are not those of the management of MachoSpouse.com or any of their sponsors and shall be deemed just that, opinions and views. 